It is a uh, a great joy uh, that I can that I can be here and uh, and bring a a word of proclamation to you uh, this morning. Uh, the Lord always He always prepares us for what is to come, even when we when we can't see it. Uh, and and uh, as I said earlier, even when I closed my eyes last night, I didn't expect to to be here at this exact spot uh, this morning, but the Lord does prepare. Uh, he, he always prepares His servants. Um, like Paul says in Galatians, uh, Galatians 5.25, keep in step with the Spirit. Um, and indeed, I trust that that I that I have and that the Lord has has prepared me for for this opportunity, uh, maybe not to have a, uh, a a really full and lengthy uh, look at a text that that may be that may be good news for you this morning. I don't know, but um, but a good word, a good word nonetheless. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians five, uh, Ephesians one, uh, starting in verse fifteen and in a moment. Um, but we've, in, in reflecting uh, on absorbing uh, all, of the, all of the information, uh, all of the sermons, all of the texts uh, that we have walked through over the last few years about prayer, um, lots, of, uh, lots of other texts in Scripture. This is, this is the way the Lord works. Uh, this is the way Scripture works. Uh, Lots of other texts have come to mind. Uh, lots of lots of um, aspects of of the Christian life have uh, have come into a, a little different relief, uh, a sharper focus in some ways. Uh, as I've read through, uh, reflecting on uh, what we've learned uh, about prayer, uh, one of those texts is here in uh, in Ephesians to the this letter to. Uh, to the church in Ephesus from, from the Apostle Paul. Um, it is a great blessing and a, and a, and a wonderful uh, privilege to be able to pray for our brothers and our sisters in Christ, some of whom we know uh, in you know the vast number of years that we're here, on this on this earth, um, really, when you think about it, the number of believers that we've actually been able to meet is is incredibly small um, compared to how many the Lord has saved across time and across distances. So most of our brothers and sisters in Christ we will not meet in this age. But remember that the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray is a corporate prayer. It is a prayer in which we petition our Father to make His name holy, to bring His kingdom, and to rule according to His will. We ask Him to supply our daily needs. We ask Him to forgive our sins, 
We ask Him to, lead, to not lead us into temptation. We ask Him to deliver us from evil. And so at the heart of our prayers, just as, just as Jesus instructed us, is that awareness that we approach our Father with our brothers and on behalf of our brothers. That is a very important aspect of the Lord's Prayer that um, we sadly tend to forget or neglect. Give us this day our daily bread. We see this awareness demonstrated time and time again in Paul's letters. And here in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, uh, that once again comes to, uh, to the foreground as Paul is praying explicitly for these brothers and sisters uh, who are in Ephesus. And just reflect on your own life. Think about all the many times that, uh, that we, as we keep in step with the Spirit, like Paul exhorts us to do in, in Galatians 5.25, how many times he'll, the, the Spirit will bring a brother or a sister to our mind, you know, seemingly, seemingly out of the blue. Uh, hadn't, hadn't seen that person in years, hadn't, hadn't had any communication, com- communication with them perhaps, but he or she just comes into your mind. You stop and you pray. We take uh, sometimes uh, uh, or notice a, a, a particular difficulty that a sister or a brother is, is facing that we, we know about. We think about that. We stop. We take time to pray. Sometimes we hear a report of the repentance and the faith of many from a nation on the other side of the world. And we take time to pray for them, to pray for those new believers. And such, at such times of impromptu prayers, uh, I want you to think about how you approach those moments when you think about that person out of the blue. Uh, when you think about the trials that uh, one of your brothers or sisters is enduring. Um, when you hear the report of believers in a part of the world that you probably will never see in this age. How do you approach that moment? What are your thoughts about? Where does your mind go? What are your prayers for those brothers and for those sisters? What do we pray for? How do we pray for them? What do we ask the Lord our God to do? For them, and so let's let's pause for a few minutes this morning. Uh, let's look at this text here in Ephesians, and see the way that the Spirit of God directed Paul to pray at such times. And let's ask God to instill these thoughts, to instill this way of of thinking, to cultivate this mindset in us, so that our prayers may be pleasing to the Lord and effective on behalf of our brothers. 
Our Father, please teach us to pray for your people at all times as your Holy Spirit directs us. Use these words from our brother Paul to equip us for this blessed privilege to intercede for one another in the name of the perfect and eternal intercessor, Christ our Lord. Amen. Please stand with me as we read together and hear the word of our God recorded in Ephesus and in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. For this reason, Paul writes, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. And the people of God responded to his word by saying, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. You can be seated. And so as Paul continues to open his letter to the Ephesian church with long, long thoughts, long sentences. We have to split up the sentences in our texts, in our translations, because Paul would fail our English classes. Um, his, his, uh, his praise is so effuse. Uh, his wonder and his delight and his joy at considering and communicating what God has done through Jesus Christ pours over itself in phrase after phrase after phrase and clause after clause. And it continues here uh, at the end of this first chapter. There's only, there's only a few verses, there are a few sentences in these first verses in, in the Greek text. Um, it's, it's, it gives the effect to us of just a barrage of praise. Uh, and that's what this opening is. As in every letter from Paul, he is, he is fixing our eyes first on what God has done, what the Father has done through the Son and the work of the Spirit for us. And then he's going to move to our response to that. And we're going to land 
this morning kind of right in the middle of this uh, because I want to, to direct our thinking and, and, and point out uh, how, how Paul approaches uh, his thanksgiving and his prayer for the Ephesian church. And uh, notice these elements that Paul brings and just point them out so that they can be elements, they can be thoughts, uh, they can be points that stick in our minds when we're doing what Paul's doing here, when we're giving thanks, when we're thinking about believers out of the blue or out from a report uh, from somewhere or our brother or sister who the Lord has laid on our hearts because we know uh, of their, their trials or their temptations. Um, these, uh, these few things here uh, that, that Paul is focusing on, uh, again, in this, in this context of, of opening his letter to the Ephesians, uh, is, is, is great instruction uh, for us to, to see. And so... Um, he opens this letter, moving from praising the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in verses 3 through 14, uh, moving into giving thanks now in verses 3, and then writing a prayer uh, in verses 15, excuse me, through 23, giving thanks and writing this, this prayer. That salvation that the Father has accomplished for His people through the work of Christ the Son, and the application of the Holy Spirit has reached the Ephesian people. Paul praises God for that. And now, Paul says that he has heard about their faith in the Lord and their love toward all the saints. So before we focus our thoughts specifically on how and what Paul prays for, what he asks the Lord for, notice a couple of things. First, notice that Paul has been informed about them. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. His his ear has been attentive. He's been listening for the work of the Spirit. He strives to be sensitive to the work of God's Spirit, and he can recognize the Spirit's work in them. Paul, of course, had um, co-workers that are bringing reports uh, like this, but the, the, the point is, it's implied here, it's very subtle here, but notice, just bare minimum, Paul knows about it. And so, like Paul, uh, I pray that we would listen, listen for reports of the Spirit's work. I pray that our ears may be attentive and that our discernment may be keen to see the fruits of the Spirit's work. And so Paul tells them, I've heard, I've been listening, I know. But then notice what this report that Paul has heard what that moves him to do. I've heard, and so verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers. Paul's heard, and so he gives thanks for these believers without ceasing. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Uh, you, you, can, you can hear, you can feel the, the amazement, the wonder that Paul has. He's not taking the, this, their, their salvation. He's not taking their faith for granted. It's not something that he just expects and moves on. But when he, when he thinks of them, he doesn't cease giving thanks, thanking God for his marvelous work of salvation. He overflows with thanksgiving. His thanksgiving doesn't end because it's thanksgiving that recognizes that this salvation is a matchless gift. There could be no greater thing that could happen to these Ephesians than what has taken place. And Paul is moved every time he thinks about it to give thanks to God. It's unmerited grace, and indeed it brings glory to God alone. These brothers and sisters in Ephesus are a living testimony to the power and the promises of the Lord God. And that continues to hold true for us. The few of us gathered here, we are a living testimony to the power and the promises of the Lord our God. So may we, like Paul, give thanks always, always for the men, the women, the brothers, the sisters that the Lord has adopted with us as sons, sons through Jesus Christ. And may we never presume on God's mercy and his grace. And then, after reporting his hearing of them, expressing his thanksgiving to God for the work that the Lord has done, then Paul prays for them. He writes down for them what he asks the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, when he remembers them in his prayers. And what a, what a beautiful window it is into Paul's soul that he's, he's expressing to these people how he gives thanks for them. A great encouragement for them, but also very instructive for them and instructive for all the Lord's people across all geographic boundaries and time, even coming to us today, that we may see the way that the Spirit has so, um, so wired Paul's thinking that this is, this is the essentials that Paul prays for, for these believers in in Ephesus, he's communicating to them a few requests that are particularly important for every believer. And that's why these, uh, these few things are, are such great points for us to remember because there's just a few. But anytime we're giving thanks for believers or we're pr- praying for brothers or sisters, wherever they may be, these, these are particularly important things to pray for. So notice notice what these requests are. Number one, 
and foundationally. The other ones are actually going to flow from this. They're going to be, they're going to be grounded upon uh, this, this foundation that Paul establishes uh, first in verse uh, 17. He says, I don't, give, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in, in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So first, foundationally, Paul asks them, or, or Paul asks the Lord that they would know God, that they would know the Lord, that they would have knowledge of Him. He's asking because this knowledge can't be found on their own. It's given to them by God. That's the reason why Paul asks for it and why he doesn't command the Ephesians to go find it. It's God who grants true wisdom. He must gift us with the mind that understands, with the eyes that see, with the ears that hear. He reveals himself to us. And so appropriately, Paul prays earnestly that the Lord would give this wisdom and this revelation to the Ephesians so that they can know God, know the Lord, know the Lord. They must take up and read. They must hear good instruction, certainly, but God reveals himself fundamentally in the Scriptures. And our hunger for it comes from the work of God's Spirit. And so Paul appropriately prays that the Lord would grow them in their knowledge of him. Like Paul, may we be earnest in praying that our brothers and sisters would grow in their knowledge of God because he gives them wisdom and he reveals himself in his word. Foundationally, fundamentally, when we think of that person out of the blue, we pray, Lord, grow them in their knowledge of you. Use use these trials, whatever they're going through, Gravitate them towards your word. Plant them in your word. Give them good instruction in your word so that they might grow in it and know you. Know the one true God. That leads to number two, the second thing that Paul prays for, that he wants them to know God so that they can know the hope. Know the hope to which God has called them having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This hope is the fuel for the journey. This, this is repeated in letter after letter, a long section that we... Uh, that we worked through when we were in First Peter about the hope that we have, the hope in the promises, the hope in the inheritance that God has 
secured for us. It's not a, this isn't a hope that's, that's uncertain. It's, it's not a hope that's a, a potential reality, a possibility. It's a hope that is certain and, and secure because it's a hope that's secured by Christ our Lord. And so that's why it's hope is fuel for the journey of our, of our lives. It's hope that gives strength for each step. This hope in what is to come, surely, animates our actions in the present. This hope for the future causes us to persevere in the present. It's because this hope to which he has called us is a hope that rests in God's work and is secure in him. It's not, it's not resting on our abilities. Uh, it's not resting on our uh, circumstances. Um, it's resting in, in the Lord and in his promises. And it's so secure in him. It is the hope to which he has called us. Not a hope that we could ever achieve, even, for ourselves. So just like Peter reminds us in his letter, it's a hope in a rich and glorious inheritance. It's an inheritance that doesn't fade. It doesn't become stained. It doesn't pass away, Peter says. And so like Paul, let us be earnest in seeing this hope ourselves and in praying that others may know this hope as well so that they, we, would persevere in this life and that we would have strength and resolve for each step. So know the Lord. Pray that our brothers and sisters would know the Lord so that they can know the hope to which the Lord has called us, and number three, that they would know the, the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe. Our hope isn't puny, it's strong, because God is not puny, He's strong. The greatness of His power is evident to us who believe, the greatness of His power is evident in us who believe. We can each of us give personal testimony to the Lord's power to rescue, to save, to establish, to bless, to cause to persevere, uh, to give hope. And our hope rests on the power of God, the one who has saved us through the work of Christ, the one who, Paul says, triumphed over death, who is now seated in victory at the Father's right hand in the heavenly places. And here's where you see Paul. You can imagine he, he can't even write fast enough. His, his hand isn't moving fast enough for the thoughts in his mind to flow out. He's seated at the Father's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above every name that is named, not only, Paul says, in this age, 
but also in the age to come, there's nothing that could ever be or ever has been that will be higher than the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Father has put all things under His feet, and this Christ, who is over all things, is head of the church, which is His body. His body, which, Paul says, fills all creation and so finally completes the Father's instruction to the first Adam to fill the earth and subdue it. That Adam failed. This Adam has not. This Adam is fulfilling that directive to fill the earth and subdue it, placing all things underneath His feet and filling creation with His body with His church, multiplying them greatly. This is immeasurable greatness. And that's why, that's why Paul, phrase after phrase, piles all of this up. And notice, notice how he began in his, in his praying these things for the church in Ephesus. By the end, we were so... We're so taken with the, the, the wonder of who Christ is, that we've, we've almost lost sight of where Paul was when he started this. And that's exactly the point. Paul has taken our eyes, their eyes, off of themselves and fixed them on Christ. A very subtle thing that he does, maybe not even, maybe not even consciously, but Paul knows that in his prayer life, this is, this, is the, this is the trajectory. I give thanks for these people. I pray for these people. I ask that these people might know the Lord so that they have hope in Him and rest firm in His power and power, my goodness, power like this, through this Christ, through this servant, who has all things in subjection under his feet. That's why we can have hope. That's why that hope is certain. Why it's, why it's sure. Why it can't be shaken, no matter what comes in our life. Sorrow, joy, blessings, difficulties, whatever comes in our life, no matter what it is, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Just like Paul subtly helps the Ephesians to do. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying this. And by the time he gets, he gets to the focus, the Ephesians are, are, are so moved and so captured by the work of God through Jesus Christ that it fills them with hope. So no matter who you are, where you live, or when you live, you must grow in these things. You need to grow in your knowledge of God. As you grow in this godly wisdom and revelation, you'll grow in knowing steadfast hope, and you'll grow in knowing 
the immeasurable greatness of God's power. And with that growth comes vision, comes the ability to see and discern and appreciate the Lord's power. Power, like Paul says, to save sinners, to save these Ephesians that he's heard about. Seek the Lord, knowing that in Christ the Lord has found you. And pray. Pray the same for your brothers and your sisters. Pray these things. When the Spirit brings them to your mind at 3 a.m., pray these things when you hear a report about them that comes from the other side of the sea or the other side of the continent or the other side of the world. Pray these things when you know of particular difficulties or temptations. Ask God to grow His people in their knowledge of Him, their hope in Him, and their trust in His great power. Three things. Simple prayers, but three simple requests that are miles deep and indeed will never be plumbed by any of us in this age. Pray that the Lord's people would grow in their knowledge of Him, their hope in Him, and their trust in His great power. Dear Lord, it is good. It is good to be together. It is good to to have instruction, to have testimony, to have these, these truths written down for us to read, to have these truths written before us so that it might read us. We thank you for this instruction. We trust that you are working these these elements in us that when we when we think of our our brothers and sisters and we desire to pray for them that we immediately think of these foundational things that they might know you and grow in their knowledge of you. That as that knowledge grows, their hope is filled. So that whatever trial they're facing, whatever task, however difficult it is, that they would face those situations, those realities of life, that they would face them with full and confident hope, steadfast, that orders their steps, that animates their actions, that gives them resolve for the journey. Give us eyes to see the greatness of your power 
to reflect on the things that you have done for your people over the millennia. And not to see it as just historical facts from the past that we might memorize, but know them as events that your people have endured because you were with them. You were teaching them. You were guiding them. You were giving them hope and strength by your great power, a power that is put on display ultimately in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who now is seated, finishing his work to save, and by his Spirit, spreading the testimony of that work to every corner of creation. Spreading this name that is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every other name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The one who has all things under his feet and who is the head of the church, the church which as his body is filling all creation, just as your people were intended to do in the beginning. Certainly, Jesus Christ is marvelous. The fulfillment of all things and the one whom we worship. We ask that our hearts and minds would be affected today, that these things would stick in our minds and our hearts as your Spirit works so that your church may be strengthened and your name be praised. We ask in the marvelous, matchless, powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.